Welcome to Call America, where we discuss the weird, wonderful, and worrying rituals and sacrifices that make America great. I'm Carl Joseph Black, a Brooklyn native born into the cult that is America. And I'm Lisa Charlotte, a migrant who totally bought into the cult from afar and who is just losing my mind because we haven't recorded for a while with Samori and I forgot about his head nod as you talk. Yeah. Make America like, great. Great. <laughs> he's great. just like on it. <laughs> so good. Yo, welcome back, bro. Yeah. We try to record without you last time. Yeah, yeah. You gonna talk to the people? Welcome back, bro. <laughs> What's up, what's up? Some more is out here missing last week and shit. I know. I had to, I had to take a little hiatus because I had a call. Same time. My fault. Left us. Left us. <laughs> How dare you? Just leaving us, yo. You're telling just, me your life doesn't revolve around this podcast? <laughs> come on, man. You know you know what this is. <laughs> you know what this is. You got to work. You got to work, work. I got to grind. You got to grind. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> come on, man. All right, so... How the fuck are we supposed to be number one? <laughs> All right, Carl. I have a question for you. What's up? America or cult? This group works members to a point of exhaustion to stop them from overthinking their situation. Is that Wall Street? <laughs> That's definitely America, though. I mean, it's really both. It's really both. I'm going to put it in a cult category, and we're going to talk about the People's Temple cult. Do you know much about them? No. Okay. You know Jim Jones? Yeah, Jim Jones the rapper. No, <laughs> what? Is there a rapper, Jim Jones? Yeah. We really? fly high, no lie, you know this, bowling. Wow, okay. That's not who we're talking about. Oh, my bad. <laughs> my, my bad, bro. <laughs> You've never heard of a cult leader, Jim Jones? I feel like I've seen his picture float around a few times. Oh, I but actually I I, superimposed your face on him one yes, time. Yes, you did. But, like, <laughs> I don't know much else about him. Okay, well, Jim Jones had a group called the People's Temple of the Disciples of Christ, which was shortened to People's Temple. Okay. It was then renamed People's Temple Christian Church Full Gospel to encourage black members. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting because when he started this cult, he had all these messages of, like, desegregation. So there were some kind of, like, I guess, like, good things. Like, he used to have this, like, multiracial organization that, like, they would go into restaurants in small towns and be like, you're taking our business, but only if we can all eat in here, you know? So, like, there are some cool things that I can kind of see how people might have, like, gotten into the cults. They encouraged casual clothes, which, like, I think was a big thing at the time because you know church you needed good clothes and it was just so people didn't feel out of place so if you were poor you were still welcome they did a lot of soup kitchens all of this stuff but this is where the phrase don't drink the kool-aid comes from because this is the cult where over 900 people died from drinking not kool-aid very important kool-aid's gotten a bad rap they didn't even they didn't even splurge for the kool-aid they had flavor aid Oh shit! So you've heard of this though, the I've Jonestown heard the, massacre. Yeah, I've heard the. I've heard of don't drink the Kool Aid, mm-hmm. and like people say that a lot when you're like believing into something that people think is a scam, mm-hmm. right? But like I, I never knew where where it originated from. You've heard of the Jonestown massacre? No, I haven't heard of that either. Interesting. So it's like one of the most arguably famous, and it was the biggest death of American people until nine eleven. Like Yo. it was the largest like collective death of American people what by like I guess fuck? like active extremism. Oh my um, god! Yeah, so eighty percent of its members were black. Him and his wife were the first people in the state of Indiana where they were from to adopt a black baby. Oh wow! <laughs> then he started, as time went on, calling himself a black man. So- oh, this is Rachel Dolezal's <laughs> father. <laughs> So basically, this is a cult that ran from 1954 to 1978. It was Christianity plus communism and racial equity is basically the summation of their beliefs. Damn. They started in Indiana and then they moved down to California and San Francisco. They called it like apostolic socialism. So like he was like kind of taking parts of the Bible, picking and choosing to like spread communism. He encouraged abstinence, which I just feel like should be illegal for cults because what's the point of being in a cult 
if you know if i can't fuck yeah exactly like come on if you want to be in a cult you want to be fucking and you want more members yeah exactly so if we fucking you get more members by default exactly like, well they they encouraged adoption so they would adopt kids from oh. outside of the organization into the organization so of the 900 people who died in the mass suicide over 300 were under the age of 17 damn which is like that's crazy. horrible they had about 5,000 members, I think, in their peak. And so they went to California and then they went to Guyana and he like bought this whole compound. compound. And this is where the work thing comes in because he made people spend all of their time working. So they would work like 12 hour days with just an hour for lunch. And then after lunch, they would go and they would do like lessons about like him. So like very like North Korean, like he was legitimately basing it on the North Korean system of eight hours or more a day. And then followed by eight hours of study. Kim Jong Jones. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) One of the things he preached is that people had to spend their holidays with their, you know, cult family, not their blood family. So all of this stuff, it's like, you know, you look at that and it was really a tactic to be like, people are too tired to question this shit. Yeah. And when I look at American society, I think it kind of does the same. And like when the Black Lives Matter movement happened, the George Floyd thing, I don't think it was a coincidence that happened when people couldn't work. Yeah, COVID. COVID yeah, like gave everybody, everybody like, time to like time to think. To think and shit, you know? Yeah. And, and mad people had more time than use Twitter and shit. So yeah. like you on Twitter reading tweets. Exactly. And like, yo, this motherfucker's spitting mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Damn, this motherfucker's spitting. <laughs> right? And then you're like, fuck it, I'm about to do some shit about this since I got time. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas most of the time, and I, I mean, I know for me, like in my times when I've been like working the most, I've had less time to get dedicated to thinking about the injustices in the world. So the cult behavior today is the members are expected to devote inordinate amounts of time to the group and group-related activities. Yo, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's, that's like, that's Wall Street, that's working at a big law firm. Mm -hmm. Like, Samora used to work at a law firm. They used to work this motherfucker to death. This he was out here writing a bazillion motions a week, then going to class, then going to write motions again. Yo, lawyers, it's crazy. It's crazy. I have friends who are lawyers, and they would be up to like past midnight at the office, just doing like bullshit. Ninety hour work week, baby. Mm. Billables, baby. Got a bill, baby. You know what time it is? Bill season. Got bill three thousand hours a year. It's ridiculous. It's that time. That's how we do. Mm-hmm. All of those like super high level service industry jobs are like super overworking folks. And what's interesting is like they they actually preach the culture before you even start working. And even the programs that feed you into that those industries work you the way that the industry is going to work you to make you prepared. So like an undergrad I majored in finance and I would have so much shit to read, so much homework to do. I had to what we call spread comps, which is essentially making like three, four statement Excel spreadsheets about companies. We had to do presentations, you know, once a week in class. Then like for another class, you would have like a team project. And then you also had to be in like we had a finance group called Applied Investment Management. So you had class, you had to prepare for those stuff. Then you had to go to AIM, right? And then you did AIM. Like, it was just so much shit that we were, that like, when I graduated, I went to graduation with my parents. Then I went home and I went to sleep for like six hours. (laughs) I went to sleep. I was just tired. I was dead tired, right? And then, like, I started working and it was... Same shit all over again. I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is just school. You know what I mean? But, like, you're told that in order to move up in that space, like, you got to be first one in, last one out. You got to be the one coming up with the new ideas all the time. So you spend a lot of time outside of work, like, perfecting your craft so that when you get back to work, you can, like, show up with new ideas. It just, It's just really insane how the level of work like this is a thing that gets me so like i you know i work my way through school i had like an incredibly busy upbringing like between singing school and i worked for my dad so like i like really and i always played like at least two sports and like squad swam and like i my life was like always like packed so it was like pretty normal for me and i did this and i always like 
I was always at school and like studying and like I, all of that on a bunch of boards, all this shit. And then I like took a beat in my late 20s, like what, just before my 30th birthday, like something happened. I took a beat and I was like, wow, I have so much more creativity and like time to like actually think about what I'm doing. I had yeah. just been like grinding, 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 grinding mm-hmm. without any thought of like why. Mm-hmm. And then later in my, like just after I turned 30, one of my friends actually passed away at the office. Oh my and God. She was a lawyer. She like was 20 fuck how old I think she was 28 29 when this happened and she was just like the cleaner found her she was like the last one at the office and she died and like that's like to me I was like wow okay that's not how I want to go yeah like she was doing great stuff but like it's just really sad to me that that there weren't even colleagues around to find her you know that's how much she was on it so the research that Thea did actually found like a lot of connection to these experiences that we've had, right? Like when it comes to workism and overwork culture, the richest 10% of Americans actually work the most, which is actually far more than previous generations. Mm. Even though Americans with advanced degrees have the highest earning power, they still work significantly more. So, so there's actually like a connection to these stories that we have, like there's stats to back it up. Mm. And what's, what's interesting is how it actually molds your mind. Cause I'm a person, even though like I'm not on Wall Street anymore, I still very much operate that way. So like I wake up, I'm like, all right, I got to do some fucking shit right now. Like, you know what I mean? Or I was like, for example, I was late today Mm. because I was up really, really late doing (laughs) doing research. Right. For me, when it comes like I, I don't think I've taken like a real break, like a real break, like a break where people are like, I ain't really doing shit. I'm going to just wake up and do nothing. I haven't done that. I Like, I did that for the first time in this past December. So December 2021 was the first time I think I would argue in my life that I've taken that kind of break. And that's because I was watching Power and I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm kind of stuck on the couch. I think I'm just going to finish this. So I, like, did six seasons of Power. <laughs> <laughs> On the couch, I was just like, yeah. But even then, like, it's still that um, obsessive kind of personality. Like, we, I would say that a lot of people in that's in those spaces have very obsessive personalities. It's so built into you. Like, I definitely, when I was younger, the first time I went overseas with my ex, we were in India. And, like, we'd been going, 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 like, traveled South Asia, went to India. And we, like, stopped in Goa. And we were like just okay maybe we lay on the beach for a couple days and after like an hour I was like what do you mean we just fucking lay here like I don't understand this I've never done this like whenever we went on vacation it was always we were doing things on vacation yeah and definitely that's a skill that I had to like teach myself because at the end of the day like you know I I've had like quite a lot of trauma in my life and there's just no way you can process it and so many people who are in these situations are doing this grind busy thing yeah achieving 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 so that they don't have to worry about you know the things that are really like underlyingly plaguing them that's real yeah Yeah. and so now i'm crazy about it like you know like i'll be like i don't work on weekends yeah i just don't like of course like you know my parents are here this week so i'm gonna work this weekend so that i can spend more time with them in the week like yeah but then i'm still having a weekend right you know but i just like nope saturday sunday i just don't work and i work better because i don't work on the weekend yeah like it having that break for your mind because like i'm sure you're the same like Anytime I would like get to a point of exhaustion and like then have to just like collapse or do something else, I would just feel guilty the whole time. So if you give yourself those breaks like with intention, yeah, it's more of a break. Yeah, yeah, that, I definitely understand that. And it's like there's just this culture to overworking. Hundred you know? percent. Like I always tell people, I never want to retire, right? Like I don't want to retire, which is partially why I chose the field of law because I could be like ninety five. And then the court, like, Your Honor, my client is innocent. Like, I, I want to be working. And I think the reason why I want to be working is because I feel like when I'm not working, I have absolutely no structure at all. And, like, these research actually matches that. Like, people who, the reason why people overwork is because they feel aimless without it. Like, they need structure. And <clears throat> on top of that, like, um, there's a lot of competitive pressures to that and there's an ethos of workism that a hard worker is honorable right and and mm. i actually feel that way like i'm like 
I yeah, used I'm to too. Yeah, I'm fucking working. And that's the thing is like, this is why I find this topic so interesting. I was 100% in this. Like, I grew up, honestly, one of the nicest things my parents would say about me is that I'm a hard worker. Like, that yeah. was like a big badge of honor in my family. Like, yeah. my dad would be like, Lisa, she knows how to fucking work. And I was like, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> I took this break, you know? I took this break. I, I really needed to take this break. And I had never had that opportunity before. So I used to be sort of, like, in the startup space. And the Minister for Innovation asked me to be on a panel judgment for some like hackathon competition. And at the time I wasn't working. I was like taking a break and everybody else on the panel was so affiliated with who they work for and they couldn't deal with the fact that I was just like, I'm just representing me. I still am. I, yeah. Like I'm just me. And the minister for innovation asked me to do this. So like, Obviously, he sees value in me, even if I'm not working. But like the way that they sort of kind of looked their nose down at me because I wasn't affiliated. It's it's wild that we tie so much of ourselves up in work. And that was a really hard thing for me to deal with here because like I, I work every job, right? Like I've done like years of retail, hospitality, all this stuff. And when I moved here, it was the first time I couldn't just pick up a job. Like I'm I'm so limited in my capacity to work at the moment because yeah. I only have the job with the employer that I have and the visa that I had previous to that, I could only work in certain types of jobs, like hospitality, whatever. It's like entry level stuff. I couldn't mm-hmm. have like a managerial job. And so at the age of 30, I'm sort of in this place where like I couldn't take a high level job and then I couldn't take any job. Like at some point, yeah. it was really difficult for me it made me think a lot about how much like you, like I valued my hard work. Yeah. Like even still today, like if you go on my Twitter, it it says like all the companies I worked for, like I'm an alum of mm-hmm. like these companies and these schools. It It's almost like military badges. You know what I'm saying? Like I po- used to do the same thing. And yeah. then I, after that period of time, I never put my work back on my bio ever again. Oh, no. Nah, I, I put my podcast my on my bio because I'm like, that's a thing I created and that's yeah. dope. But like nothing else goes on there. Yeah, I, I still got my shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like for me, it's like it's like military badges. You know, you see a, a fucking four star general and you see the four stars on this fucking uniform. Mm-hmm. I'm like, these are my stars. Mm-hmm. OK. And like I still haven't completely broken out of it because I still think I believe I'm an overworker. Like I'm, I'm still an overworker. You know what I mean? Like I, it's just ingrained in me in a way that I haven't been able to shake. And I think part of the reason why I haven't been able to shake it is because I don't know what life looks like not being an overworker. Mm. I've had these qualities for so long that like these qualities are who I am. And I, and I think that's how Jim Jones did it. <laughs> He's just like, yo, listen, y'all. <laughs> The harder you work, the more we'll respect you. The more we respect you, the more important you are. The more important you are, the closer you are to me. It's definitely like an easing process. So the reason I started podcasting is because I was t- I couldn't deal with not working. Mm-hmm. And so I started this Battlestar podcast because I needed a project. Yeah. And I just was like, okay, I'll do something fun. It'll be good for my like public speaking or whatever. Like it felt like something I could do. This is the only reason why I'm in podcasting is yeah. because I couldn't deal with it at first. Yeah. But like the waking up in the morning and being like on thing, that's real. Yeah. And that took me ages to get out of. Mm. And the way I got past it is I do the crossword and the Ken Ken in the morning. So I like mm. get the paper delivered, which I love. And I get up in the morning and I make myself my pour over bougie coffee and I like do the Ken Ken. And then I do the crossword. And it's Mm -hmm. cool because it's like you're doing something, but it's not involving a screen. You can feel a sense of achievement if you get it or failure if you don't. Yeah. Like, definitely, I skipped it this morning, but I'm going to do it tomorrow instead. But the Friday crossword, yeah, that doesn't always get finished. (laughs) How do you separate who you are from what you do? Because there are so many different ways in which we don't do that, right? Like... The thing we covered is you are associated with your occupation or associated with the company you work for, Mm -hmm. right? And then, like, one of the things that I had a conversation with my girlfriend about once and Thea also brought up in the research is the example of um, how work is broadened and how there's a lot of women who actually do what they call invisible work. Mm -hmm. And that's because that's associated with who they are as people, so, like, if you're a mother, right, you're, you're doing all of these different things because 
you you believe that that's what a mother should do and mm-hmm. you are a mother so you identify yourself as a mother and it actually pushes you to do these extra things that you may or may not have to do well right? it's the idea of like every time a dad is like looking after his children people are like oh my god that's so great and it's like it's a fucking father or like the idea of like oh you know he's babysitting the kids tonight babysitting what it's his fucking children like, yeah but it's this idea of like any dad who does any like mother task is like accoladed to the ends of the earth and it's like you literally also created that child and have that responsibility right Whereas women are just sort of expected. And I definitely grew up in a house where women were expected to always be like, have a perfect house. Like the women were always cooking and cleaning and doing all of this stuff. Like, I'm sure it's the same for you on holidays. Like all the women are in the kitchen. All of the men are just like lounging on the couch. Women do so much invisible work. Yeah. You know, a lot of that is like really associated with the way we've crafted culture and associated who, like if you're a woman, Living in a house with a man, like your house got to be tidy and your food's got to be great. If you're not, if they're, if both of those are not checked off, then like you're not, are you like not a good woman? You yeah. know, which and it would be on me. That. I could live with my old roommate and if the house was messy, it would be my fault, like societally. Yeah. Absolutely not my fault. And actually, yeah. I was just like, I'm getting a cleaner. I'm not your fucking maid. Like, right. that's just how it's going to be because I'm going to get, like, it's not intentional. It's just, like, the way he he has been socialized and raised. Mm-hmm. Like, even just asking him to do chores, which you would have to do, was was a lot of work. So I was like, yeah. you know what we're going to do? We're not going to do that. We're going to have a fucking cleaner, and that's going to be it. These are the two jobs that you always do. Like, you can unpack the dishwasher, and you can take out the trash, and then I'll do all the other stuff. But it's, like, even the idea that, like, you know, people will be like, oh, my God, he cooks. I'm like, it's a life skill. Like, <laughs> yeah, how, how was how the fuck was he supposed to eat? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, it's wild how much is expected of women and actually having lived with men and having lived with. And it's like it's it's we're talking broad brush strokes here. Right. There yeah. are some women who are really messy. There are some men who are really clean. But like living with a woman is definitely like most of the time super, super easier. Yeah. Just because um, of the way we've been socialized yeah. for the most part. Because women are socialized like that. But our house, like, is always, like, impeccably clean. Yeah, because when I used to live by myself, I lived I lived alone for five years. And I used to keep buying, like, apartments super clean. And the reason why is because, like, I always wanted my apartment to look like the sexy bachelor pad <laughs> when you came over and shit. Like that movie shit, you know what I'm saying? You American go, Psycho? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. American Psycho. I was Christian Bell. <laughs> Crib was super icy clean. I had like expensive candles going. I had like <laughs> sleek art, sleek chairs. It's terrifying that you exist in the world, Carl. Yes. Yes. I'm just <laughs> out here. But like what's interesting is every time a woman came over, she was surprised mm. at how like well kept it was in and in a weird way, like a lot of women would would associate me with like kind of the American psycho type. Mm. Like they'd be like, oh, like he just must have he just must be obsessive. Right. That's the reason why his house is like that. He must be an obsessive dude versus a woman. It's like, oh, like this is how it should be. This is how it should be. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out, like, how do we in. I don't know. I don't feel that way. Like, I, I reckon every dude I've dated recently has had like a super like well put together clean house. Yeah, and you've never like I never was like it shouldn't be like that. But also like, yeah. I mean I think that men a lot of men do have their shit together and like I think about this a lot cuz like my dad raised us by himself for like a decent chunk of time mm. or like my uncle lived with us for a bit. But like we always had like great food. The house was always like pretty clean. I mean, yeah. I don't remember because I was young, but like my dad kept it together, right? Did yeah. the laundry whatever. Once my stepmom came on the scene, he was just lazy as shit about that. Like he would never because cook. Because he passed he, that. He did. On he was like, Oh, else. I have a I have like a wife now. I have a wife and this and then is she her takes job. Care of it. Exactly. And it's like it's like, nah, bro. Like it's actually still Yeah. I the love place my dad, but it used to piss me off because he'd be yeah. like, Oh, I don't even know if I know how to do that. Like play this whole mere male thing. And I'm like, yeah. the fuck you do? You raise kids by yourself for like eight years. Yeah. You know exactly how to do that. Don't play this fucking dumb shit. Yeah. I know you know how to do laundry. Yeah. Like 
it's like, and that's the other thing, this like idea of the mirror male. Yeah. Have you seen that? It's like used to be like a Reader's Digest thing. Nah. I don't know if your grandma's had like Reader's Digest. My grandma nah, did. My grandma didn't. But, my, um, my grandma don't speak English. Okay, fair. Yeah. Yeah, so it's this like Reader's Digest thing of like the mirror male and people would write in with like the stupid shit their husbands did. And it's like, you know, it, it, is it they can't do it or is it just that they don't have to do it? And so they just play this fucking dumb card Ooh. of like, oh, I don't know how to grocery shop. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Movies actually perpetuate this as well. Absolutely. Um, which is interesting. But I think it's 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 interesting because um there was this documentary that I watched on Warren Buffett many years ago. And in the documentary, they really went into the like the relationship between Warren Buffett and his family, like his mm -hmm. wife and children. Like they have all these photos of Warren Buffett being at home with his children but this motherfucker is either reading the paper or like reading some other shit right and they're just like playing or like like this guy is not mentally there but he's physically there and they reached a point in the documentary where his first wife so one time she got sick and because she was sick Warren had to basically take care of the house and like she asked him to bring like either like a skillet or something like that and this motherfucker came and brought the wrong shit. And it was like something super simple. She was like, wow, like this guy really doesn't know how to take care of himself. And then one of the things she did was when she decided that she wanted to separate from him, she actually asked her friend to like live with Warren and take care of him because he wouldn't be able to take care of himself. Wow. And he ended up marrying that friend. What the fuck? <laughs> this motherfucker marrying for survival. It's crazy. No, but it's, And that's my guy. I've heard this fucking shit before. I can't remember who it was, but like, and I, and I really wish I did, but I remember it, there was a conversation, whether I was a part of it or not, or whether it's just something I heard, where there was someone that were like, yeah, I thought about getting divorced, but then I thought about the cost of like, what it would cost me to have a maid and a chef and like all of these things, and it's just like cheaper to stay married. And I was like, that's so fucked up. Well, the, the, I, it is cheaper to stay married, but the fact that he was like, yeah, I gotta get a maid and a exactly. chef was kind of crazy. That's actually. crazy. <laughs> and like, that's like the thing. those were his, those were his reference points in his decision making to stay. Exactly. But here's the thing that's really fucked up. So, like, obviously, the whole like situation in America of the work culture is based around the idea that someone stays at home and does all the home shit, right? Yeah. yeah. And so you get all these criticisms and talk about like the unfair like laws in terms of like this is like one of the big men's rights activists talk talking points right about yeah. how you know men uh get fucked over in divorce but this is the reason because this is what this is this invisible work that we're the talking about work, yeah these women stay at home and dedicate their whole lives to like keeping shit together at the house and like managing a house is not easy especially with kids and yeah. everything it's a it's a fucking full-time job like people pay nannies yeah. to look after their kids full-time it's a lot of work and then at the end of it, like theoretically, they haven't made any money yeah. because they're not out making money in the office. Yeah. But the reason that so these dudes have been able to like be so successful is because everything's been taken care of at the home. Yeah. And I've seen like women who have been like fucked over in their divorces who spent their entire like career lives as homemakers. Yeah. And now they can't. And now, now they're they completely broke. That's Which how is, a lot of women end up homeless. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because in our bonus episode, <laughs> we did nine to five and Jane Fonda's character, mm. she's working and it was her first time working in 12 years because she was married. Mm. She had just had a divorce and she like the that's the first few scenes of the movie. So it, it's a real thing. And she's there and she's kind of like a deer in the headlights just trying to make her way around. And she's like not even dressed like the other women who work in the workplace because those women have been part of the workplace and she hasn't. So mm. she's like really sticks out like a sore thumb. But it's it's really interesting. and. In a way, I don't know if courts actually thought about that. No, right? this is the whole reason why the courts made the system like oh, this. Oh, they made it like this because of mm -hmm. invisible work? Because yeah. invisible work, at least in my thought pattern, is a much newer term. A term that I actually found that like came 
to massive usage in like the last few years. Yeah. But I can see the career thing. thing. Yeah. But the reason that these laws exist is because we live in a society that's basically fundamentally structured that the woman stays at home and does the work at home and looks after the kids and the husband goes to work. Like that's how it was. The thing that's being left out of the conversation when say like a men's rights activist is talking about it, about these like, laws is that they were created because so many women would end up getting left yeah and whatever and they've been raising kids for ages and so it's like it's just because society doesn't pay for that yeah because we have this structure that's like this right yeah and so that's why the systems are set up not to say that they aren't taken advantage of at times but the reason the structures are like this is because of this invisible work that women Mm. are doing and that that needs to be recognized and so this is why like the law has gone in that direction that's great context because mm. i think traditionally i always thought it was compensating the woman for the lost period of time that she couldn't work herself plus society kind of understands that in a patriarchal society a woman that get married what's the chances of her getting married again so who's gonna take care of her since she lost her whatever yes, right in a patriarchal in a very patriarchal society, society. Yeah. not not carl <laughs> opinion please y'all you're good you're good you know what i'm saying so but let's change gears a bit one of the things that really popped up in my head when i was thinking about my time on wall street is the fact that i never really took time off even now like I- i'm very awkward on vacations like when I'm flying, I'm like, I got to bring like some shit I got to learn mm-hmm. on here. And then do you actually do it on the plane, though? Because I always like I'm like, I'm going to work. And then I always end up watching like three movies and sleeping. Nah, nah, I'm I'm on. <laughs> I'm I'm in there with a highlighter. Oh, fuck. Nah. I'm in there with a highlighter. Like, I'm marking up some book and I never fucking do it. Samori loved. So I'm guessing Samori is more like me. I typically bring a book on and I'll read the book. Oh, really? Yeah, no, nah, yeah. not me. I don't know what it is about flying. I get distracted. I can't do it. I bring it. sounds. just a lot of people moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I can't it. concentrate on anything. I have to just, like, cover my ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I bring I'm, my big-ass headphones and, like, yeah. Yeah, I bring the noise canceling just yeah. so I could, like, put on maybe, like, a good reading playlist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, fuck y'all. I'm about to get into this book. <laughs> I don't read books that don't teach me something new about the work that you don't I'm read doing. any fiction yeah like i rarely read fiction like it's always something like security analysis by benjamin graham or <laughs> the intelligent investor by benjamin graham <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm i mean sensing a theme. yeah like or it's you know some book about like capital markets and legal structures or you know the banking regulation and somebody's opinion on it who was a former securities and exchange commission regulator like i'm always reading some type of shit like that on the plane or in general when i'm reading Mm -hmm. i'm rarely doing the fiction thing where it's like harry potter i think harry potter might have been like was harry potter my last fiction book wow i don't know i don't know i don't know i should think about it some more Every time I read no, fiction, no, the, the, I remember that I should read fiction, but I'm yeah. bad at reading it too. But honestly, I've been really bad at reading. I used to read like five books a week when I was a kid, and now I haven't read like five books last year. Mm. But I think that's just because when I'm stressed, I find focus really hard. Yeah. I have to be doing like three things at once. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm terrible at that type of shit. And well, well, what really popped up in my head from Thea's research was that America apparently is the no vacation nation <laughs> and that... The United States is the only advanced economy that doesn't guarantee workers paid vacation. Not even paid holidays are guaranteed. And it leaves out one. It leaves about one in four Americans with no paid vacation. That's and no paid holidays. And that's um, so that's 23 percent for no paid vacation and 22 percent for no paid holidays in 2019. And only 16 states and D.C. have legislated unpaid sick leave so like i'm like word like like we're actually like i'm probably like this because i'm deeply in the cult like i'm i'm all the way in i'm all the way in to the point where even when i'm on vacation i'm like man we we need to do some work while we're not here (laughs) like you know what i'm saying like let's do something 
I don't know exactly what the numbers are in Australia, but we have a pretty decent vacation leave. And the other thing that it does, because I think because we have an understanding that Australia is quite far away from everything. So a lot of places will have like a rolling work. So if you're at a place, say for like three years, yeah. maybe you get two two vacation weeks a year. I think it might be more than that, but like, let's say two in three years, you can take like a six week vacation, Yeah, which I think Americans always found it really hard to wrap their head around. Like when Australians would come over here for like, like three months weeks? yeah, or six weeks, because it's so far, like it's, it's like 24 hours to get here. So you want to make the most of that time. You want to like travel long. So yeah. I think that we have a good understanding of that. But the other thing that Australia does, and like, obviously I'm speaking specifically to office jobs. Mm-hmm. Like, as I said, like I've worked years in retail and hospitality. This is not the case for those. Most of those jobs, you're not even paid. Like you're paid as a casual worker, which means you don't get paid vacation or anything. Yeah. Although to compensate for that, you get a higher hourly rate. I don't know if you guys do that here. You basically say you are like working as a waitress you'd get like whatever the minimum wage is, but there's like casual loading. So if you're- What are you, you talking about, bro? <laughs> so if you're, <laughs> if you're a- America's um, like, fuck so that. So just say the minimum wage is $20 for the sake of math. Yeah. And it is around 20 something. Say the minimum wage is $20. That's based on you having a job that is a permanent job, which means you get vacation time, paid sick leave, whatever. Yeah. If you're a casual employee, you don't get any of those things. So the minimum wage goes up to like, say, $23. Nah, not here. Yeah. First of all, first, (laughs) first of all, you better be, you better be fucking thankful that you got a permanent job. All right. (laughs) Second of all, you better be fucking thankful that you got a temporary job. (laughs) But the other thing that we do, so sorry, I'll finish that thought and then let's talk more about this. (laughs) So the other thing that we do is on like the, at the end of the year. So obviously Christmas and stuff comes at summer in summer in Australia. So like December 23rd ish, everybody goes on break. Like everyone just is out of office for like two weeks and comes back in like early-ish January. And Mm. so my boss and I, because we are Australian and we work with like the company I work mostly for is Australian. We just do that too. Wow. And just like, that's just how it is. There's no yeah. point because no one's doing anything. Nah. And like, you have moments like that here. Like there are definitely, and it was really interesting moving here and like the way summer is in New York. Cause like there's a period of time where like no one's doing shit. Like they're at work, but they're like not. And yeah. they're like, they're up in the Hamptons working from there. Or, like they're out of the city. It's like nothing really gets done in summer. Yeah. Wall Street's like that in August. Mm. Most of the managing directors, executives. They just piss off. Are just, nah, they're just like, yeah, I'm taking a break. I'm going to go and do two weeks in the Hamptons or in the vineyard. Yeah, they, oh, sorry, they piss off as in like, like get out. Like That's they, what I meant. Yeah, yeah they Not they they're leave. pissed off. <laughs> yeah, they, they, so they leave. Yeah. Analysts, which I was, we usually have to stick around during mm-hmm. that time. But we're like, we're like not doing as much work <laughs> as we usually do. Yeah. Because they're not there to watch us. So we're kind of chilling and shit, but we're still doing work. And then Labor Day comes and like, we all pray we all pray to God that we don't get staffed during that weekend or we don't have to like turn any comments. Mm -hmm. And usually what happens is, so like this happened to me like twice. I was fucking sick. So like I was in the Hamptons, I'm chilling at my laptop and shit and got my work laptop and my phone obviously is connected to my work email. And I just get an email, like, drunk as shit. I'm drunk as shit. Hey, Carl, um, can you look this over real quick? Don't take too much time on it. On, like, a Saturday afternoon. And I'm at a party. And, and like, I looked at the document, and the document was just filled with red lines. And I was like, fuck. And I was at the party, and I was like, yo, this motherfucker don't take no time off. Where the fuck is this nigga's family <laughs> I was like, where's his fucking family? Damn. <laughs> this shit gonna take me two days to fix. That means the rest of today, tomorrow, and Monday I'm working. Damn. But, like, that happens a lot. I think that still happens. I think that's, like, I think part of it is just, like, kind of like a tradition thing mm-hmm. where, where managing directors are just like, nah, we got to staff a few. We got to staff a few. 
just to teach them that this is the industry, this is the work. But it's at the same fucks. time, it's why like, do people need to own your fucking time? I don't know. Like, and this is the thing. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm now just so like insanely blessed because like my we just have a sane consultancy where we just it's just us and yeah. like a couple of contractors. And honestly, like my roommate asked me about P- PTO, and I'm like, I don't have official PTO, but yeah. like. I just am a reasonable person and the work needs to be done. So like next week, my parents are here. I wasn't even going to take it off, but you know, my boss is also from Australia. I haven't seen my parents in a couple of years. I was like, oh, just so you know, my family's going to be here next week. So I might just be like a bit in and out. And he's like, fuck, take all the time with your family you need. Like, you know, it's just work. Yeah. So like we just have a sane office and some weeks I'll work like seven days and some weeks I'll work like two. Yeah. And like like, I do in and out with my podcast recording. It doesn't affect my work. It makes my work better. Like I work better and I'm happier and I'm incredibly loyal because it's just like sane. Yeah. That's a fucking dream because like a motherfucker. I may never leave him. Yeah. when, (laughs) When I was in when I was in law school, I was working at a bank and like I worked the day before Christmas and the day after Christmas. <laughs> and like this was fresh off finals. <laughs> fresh off finals. So like the way the workplace is just very, very different. So, you know, I think it's time for an ad break. I think so. Yeah. My name is Motor, and I live in Brooklyn, New York. And in terms of grind culture in America, I think within the last two years, there has been a dramatic shift in pushback against grind culture because the pandemic has heightened a lot of larger issues amongst workers, uh, such as income inequality, income disparity, and also just ill treatment by employers and People are now truly valuing their their personal lives and keeping uh, that separate from work. And I just think for a long time, people have tied their identities to their careers. Um, and I think now people are realizing that there's so much beyond that. And it also just speaks to uh, just sort of the brewing labor movements in this country across many sectors. And you're seeing workers really take back power in a lot of ways and deciding that they're not going to put up with the same shit that they have. And there's a lot of value in speaking up for yourself. Having participated in work environments in Australia, China, and America, I can say that I find each country's approach to lunchtime during the working day very different and interesting. In China, there's a huge stringency around the timing of lunch. Don't even think about asking a colleague a question or for assistance on something at 11.59am because they'll likely walk out on you to head out for lunch. I still don't know what my Chinese work colleagues thought would happen if they missed starting lunch dead on noon, but it must be pretty detrimental because they were all incredibly regimented in that way. In the States, I find the culture is very much lunch at your desk, power through type approach, no frills. Folks seem to seldom even head out to buy something, preferencing ordering in. And of course, my personal favourite is probably the Australian tradition of the long lunch, typically probably on a Thursday or a Friday where lunch is undertaken at a leisurely pace accompanied by a couple of beers. So I have to admit that last one is my colleague slash boss and can confirm that is exactly what we do. (laughs) You can see him at some point of the day, especially if it's like Friday and he'll be like, I just can't like, let's, lunch and like every single time we eat a meal we have a beer so we'll go out to brunch like i don't know once every month or two and he'll be like beer and i'm like yeah Mm. we also have like alcohol in our office it's great (laughs) yo 
That's an amazing boss. <laughs> Truthfully, that's an amazing is. boss. But I love that comparison of like how people do lunch. Like, yeah, I used to eat lunch at my desk. So like, I would find which food trucks I liked, or I would get food truck recommendations, and then I would go out. Either like either the food trucks would be in Midtown, like on Park Avenue, or when I was working in the Brooklyn office, there would be like, you know, really close local places. I would just go there. And like the name of the game for me was finding which place had the shortest line or which place did I have the best relationship so I can order my order quickly over the phone or on seamless or something and then run and pick up my shit and run back to the desk and I'd be eating at my desk and working. That's my lunch. Yeah. So like, like I, I have eaten at the desk. Like sometimes I will, if I like, you know, but for the most part, like, so we have, so I work in an office just me and my boss and then who, who prefers to be called my colleague because yeah. But anyway, we, I, we have two Johns. So it's me and him, John. And then we have another John who's also Australian who works like two offices down and we do some work with him. He's yeah. got his own like consultancy. And like, because there's like, if there's three of us all in the office, inevitably one of us will be like, it's time for lunch, lunch. Okay. And we'll like all go out together Mm. and like, yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of what you're saying. Like John will be like, Hey, why don't we go out and get lunch? And I'll be like, now you can bring me something back. I'm like, I'm doing something. And I, and he's sort of like encouraging me to leave the desk. Yeah, it's yeah. like very like opposite from your experience. But I have had jobs where I work, like where I eat at my desk. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking back, especially to those early days. Like I realized that that shit, like, just wasn't healthy. All it did was add hours to my workday. Mm. Um, because I was really working and I was just eating while I worked. Mm. And and Thea has some research in here that's actually really interesting. Well, what I thought was interesting is to Motor's point, the guy we heard from first, talking about like how COVID's changed things. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you saw this, but like the idea of like being productive in the pandemic, like, what hobbies are you doing? What languages are you learning? Like what this and like Word. Fuck, we're in a fucking pandemic. Like yeah. chill. Like just because we don't have to, like, be at work all the time doesn't mean that we have to be doing shit all the time. Yeah. But, it, it you know, it's that whole dream job culture, you know, that if you if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Which is actually bullshit, because even if you're doing what you love, you're still kind of working because you're doing I mean, this the, these podcasts chilling. take work, and there's a lot of conversation yeah. about, like, needing to monetize your hobbies, and especially with yeah. podcasting and stuff. Like, yes, I like to cover the cost of, like, what I'm doing. Yeah. It would be nice to, like, make money, but it's not why I'm doing it. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I produce and host two podcasts. It's yeah. a fuckload it's of, a work, of work. Yeah. But it's it's still work. Like, it's fun. Like, I enjoy it most of the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't. But, like, it's still a lot of work. Yeah. But we just have this crazy hustle culture. And, like, coming from the startup space, it was so prevalent there. Like, this sort of, like, hustle porn. Like, I wake up at 5 a.m. and do this and do that. And I'm Gary like, great. V, Gary V circa oh, beginning we've talked about to him before. 2019. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's essentially... The early Gary V work right there. You got to hustle. You got to work. You're going to die. 10 a.m. Not 10, but like 9 or 10. Yeah. And like, you know, have a coffee. Do the crossword. Like, I don't know. It's just like this idea of like needing to always be like maximizing your time. Yeah. Just is, it's just a lot. But about hustle porn and culture. Yes. You were saying. I was saying this idea that like any time spent away from the office is like a waste of time. Yeah. Just like like really gets at me. It's like workism is a lifestyle, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like that whole idea you said earlier about people being in quarantine and still needing things to do. Yeah. I saw that a lot and I felt that a lot, you know? That you needed to be productive the whole time? That, yeah. That I was just like, just because I'm home don't mean I ain't got shit to do. I got shit to do. You know, at the beginning of quarantine, like literally the beginning of quarantine, I was writing letters to the highest court in New York to like cancel the bar exam. Wow. Like fresh, (laughs) fresh into quarantine. Yeah. Like we all were home trying to figure out what was up and I was hitting up some Maury and my other boy and like i was creating like a working committee with like other people from other schools like yo 
they got to cancel this bar exam. These other professors had written this legal opinion. They did like a law review article about how like the state of Wisconsin and a few other states do this thing where if you graduate from a law school within their state, like you don't have to take the bar. And we're like, word, like since y'all already do this every year, like all we're saying is the New Yorkers should just not have to take it like this year because mm. COVID is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And we were like writing, you know, all these letters and like edited. This is the beginning of quarantine. Like this is the time when people were like, what's going to fucking happen? We just shut down the whole country. I was like, yo, we got we got to write this fucking letter because <laughs> like, I because I was at home and I was just like, nah, like I'm not going to let this fucking pandemic shit make me not do anything like I got to be doing something. And that was the thing. The thing that I loved about it. And have you seen station 11? No. Okay. You should definitely watch it. It's amazing. Did you watch it, Samari? Yeah. So good. I, I actually like when I finished it, I sat in silence for like an hour processing it. Just being like, wow, I've so, I have so much. I'm feeling so much right now. I didn't know where to go from there. The reason I bring it up is like what I loved about the pandemic and like what, makes me feel like, I don't know, like something like a basic wage or something would be great is so many people when they had this free time and when they weren't worried about money, like they were either doing activism or they were creating art. Like so many people were creating art. Mm. You know, they had, and there was a tweet the other day that I, I read and it was something along the lines of, you know, all these rich people who end up doing art, Mm-hmm. maybe the lesson we take from that is if you don't have to worry about money, that's what you want to do. Like, that's what people want to do. Right. Like, they want to create. They want to do things. Yeah. You know, there was some stupid, like, so ABC, like our national broadcaster in Australia, did some stupid ad, like, don't start your podcast, which, like, coming from them is pretty rich. They have, like, 100 podcasts. Yeah. Like, fuck y'all. And I was like, fuck that. Start your fucking podcast. I don't even care if anybody listens to it. Like, just fucking, like, Put, create something like write yeah. the blog you want to write do yeah. a podcast like there's never too much art in the world like no one ever said there's too many paintings or books or whatever Word. like creating stuff is amazing and so station 11 is like a post-apocalyptic show and and basically like almost all of humanity like that's what they're doing like they're creating like it, and it was such a beautiful idea because you see all this post-apocalyptic stuff and it's always people like working to save society but like what are we saving and so i really like the focus on like people being artists and and creating stuff in the world and i thought that was something that was really great about the pandemic is like so many people when they didn't have to do stuff like the stuff that they did was amazing i don't think people want to do nothing like i wasn't i wasn't really working and i was stuck by myself and i created like an online community to try and help the people that i knew cope yeah because I was really worried and I was like what can I do and I'm like okay well I used to run events and like do community organizing and so like well now I guess I still do and so I I have the capacity to do this I have the network to do this so I started like I don't know a 200 person community I ran events on like different subjects like I had you know someone from the Joe Biden campaign come and talk to us about what it's like to you know run in the democratic primaries I had a friend do a talk on the clitoris like, and all of that, like really interesting, cool stuff. Like, and it was, it was great. And it, I got like some really sweet, like letters from people being like, I was really struggling and I yeah. wasn't able to meet new people. And I really love meeting new people. And I was a- able to do this because of you. And so I think that, I think that people like inherently want to do things, but like, it's not quite the same as this like hustle, you know, like yeah. you have to love what you do. You have to work all the time. Like I think we'll inherently always be like creating and working and doing all this stuff. But it's just the way this like rise and grind, like don't stop when you're tired. Like, you know, all of these like bullshit, like hustle culture things. I just I hate it. Just hate it. for me. I, and I feel like this is a great way to like end the show. Just do what feels fucking right for your body. Right. Because there are certain countries. I think they're Nordic countries. They've actually staggered start times and end times so like, like in the very great 1980s movie nine to five word <laughs> so like like you're like yo like you can't come in at nine because it's too fucking early come in at 11 or you have to drop your kids off of school yeah. or you know or you've got caring responsibilities yeah. or you just it, your body clock is different everybody has different circadian yeah. rhythms some people are great at working at night like i'm a fucking great night worker like i'll be up 3 a.m 
And I'm like, yo, I'm the smartest person in the world. Like, you know what I mean? Because I'm really good at working at night. At the end of the day, like, just just find your style of work that works that works for you. And don't let all this fucking internet bullshit and all this, like, work atmosphere bullshit make you feel inadequate. Because that was the thing that made me, like, that's what it was for me. I worked really hard and found drugs to help me work harder because... I felt like if I didn't match up to what others, other people's idea of excellence was, I wasn't enough. And I feel, I find that that actually affects a lot of people. Yeah. And what we're presenting on the internet is not realistic. It's not like people aren't sharing exactly what they're doing in a day. Like, okay. Yeah. Maybe you were at the desk for 16 hours, but how much did you actually do? Probably six hours worth of work. Exactly. And so why not just do six hours of work and find the time to do something else? That's like how we operate at our work. And some days I'll do a 16 hour day and some days I'll do a two hour day. And I'll be, I'll like say to my boss, I'm like, to be honest, like I'm just sitting here in front of my fucking computer. Like, is there something that really needs to be done now? Cause I do respond well to like, oh fuck this needs to be done is there something that really needs to be done today that you need that's going to hold you up and Mm -hmm. he'll be like no and i'll be like cool i'm gonna step away and do something else because like there's no it's a waste of my time to sit here yeah people are actually way more productive when they feel like they have a pressing deadline yeah and like accountants actually go through this where accountants they have like busy season Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the year is just like doing nothing but Mm -hmm. they gotta go and do 40 hours every week Right. And it's like during that period where where it's downtime, why are you working 40 hours a week? You you probably should work like 20 hours. Right. Yeah. And then during the uptime, during like big season, busy season, just work 70, 80 hours. Right. Yeah. And your body's been able to take this break for this period of time. So like you're actually you're ready a better for worker. Season. You're more creative. Yeah. You're more like onto it. Like you enjoy yeah. it more. And it's been really hard. Like we've been onboarding some just like contractors to help us out with a couple of like admin things and stuff. And we were like trying to explain the concept to them because they're both so tied to hourly work. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we just sort of like give you, I guess, what is sort of a day's worth of work a week. Mm. But like, we're going to like ask you to come into the office for a day. Right. We're just saying we're going to give you about that much work. And like, I don't give a shit if you do it all at the last minute. Yeah. As long as it's not holding us up. And we'll tell you if we have a deadline for something, right? We'll yeah. be like, hey, we actually need this by this day. Yeah. But like for the most part, it's like we're just going to trust you to do about that much work. And yeah. we're going to pay you about that much. Yeah. And like that's how we operate. Like mm-hmm. like I travel a lot for work and those trips are always like crazy. I'm working heaps. I'm meeting heaps of people. And then usually I'll come home and like not work for a couple of days because I'm pretty burnt out and tired. We have busier seasons and not busier seasons. As yeah. I said, we, t- we take off like two weeks for the holidays because nothing's going to happen anyway. And again, it's like we could go in and like sit at our computers and like be at work. Yeah. But what's the point? No one's going to be getting back to us. We can't really do anything. Yeah. Everybody's but hilariously, we both got COVID anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we on a holiday break. It's crazy. Everyone's spending at least like four hours bullshitting and then another like hour in meetings, if not longer than that. So, like, you're really working, like, three hours a day on an eight-hour schedule. Yeah. And in Germany, if you consistently work more hours than you need to, they actually look at that as a sign of inefficiency. That's what I look at it as. When people are like, oh, like, I'm at the office, like, doing this, I'm like, it really sounds like you need to work on, like, your productivity because there is, like, really no reason that you should feel like you have to be in the office that long. Like, I just, how is it taking you so long to do a task? Yeah. And I think that's another thing too. I think these hourly schedule, I'm very like, I'm very like boom, boom, boom. Like I work very quickly when I work. Like I'll do like, uh, someone shared a meme the other day and it was like, I have two modes. I do two days of work in two hours or I do two hours of work in two days. And I'm like, that's exactly how I work. So like when I'm on, I'm like on. And so this idea of like connecting time to employment instead of output, it's just encourages people to be slow. Yeah. And like take their time. Yeah. Yeah. But- Yo, make sure y'all working at y'all pace that y'all need to. Absolutely. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Our next episode on The Police will be released on February 22nd. Cult America is co-hosted and produced by us, Lisa Charlotte and Carl Joseph Black. Our production partner is Three Things Media. Our audio engineering is by Sarah Gabrielli. Our research assistant is Thea Smith. And our artwork is by Estella Illustrated. Soundtrack is by King Virtue and So Soon. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or now Spotify, apparently, or share it with a friend. It really helps. You can also access bonus episodes on our Patreon at patreon.com slash cultusapod. We have some great content there. This week we did 9 to 5 with Lungaway Zeko. Working 9 to 5. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> we also had a really kind of random mid-ad break conversation that we're going to put up there this week too. If you want to get in touch, please head over to cultusapod.com where you can leave comments on episodes, you can leave us a voice memo, you can contact us through our contact form. You can also find our fucking awesome merch that we have now. We have hoodies and t-shirts and masks, oh my. If you want to be featured in an upcoming episode, please send a voice clip to the email address in our show notes. The next topics we'll be recording are on the body, uh, so women and queer bodies in American society. So if you have thoughts on that, you can let us know. And we'll see you next time. See you soon. My ancestors ain't died for me to be taking shit from no crackers. You want me to preach peace, but my frequency is on ratchet. Don't want to protest when a whole ratchet. Don't want a whole tep, a whole balance. Every chant for white lies, a rant of white lies. So we show them that black lives matter. Last night I had a dream. The cops were harassing me.